Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about Dark River Days by Grace McGinty. We will be covering the series this week and taking the time to interview Grace in next week's episode. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. So we're going to start out by just going over some of the characters and the background of the setting for the series. So our main character, original name in the human world is Mika. However, she has to have her name changed once she turns into a vampire and she becomes Rain Baxter. She is our female main character, and she is turned into a vampire and thrown into the world of supernatural beings without any sort of preparation. So this world of supernatural beings involves vampires, obviously. It also involves shifters, which can be like werewolves, but can also be, uh, I guess you would call them people. <laughs> people who can turn into uh, any sort of animal. And then there are also shifters that can just turn into one kind of animal. There is uh, succubi and incubi, witches, and then there's mention of possible angels and demons, but I don't think that really comes up that much in this book. Yeah, and it may come up in the Eden Academy series, but we have not read that yet to know, so we'll just have to see. So rain is turned right outside the community of Dark River, and she finds out that Dark River is a very different type of vampire community than what she would find out in the rest of the world. Ash, do you want to tell them about what Dark River's like? Yeah, so Dark River, um, you know, kind of operates with its own rules. Um, it's ruled by a council, and there's no drinking from humans, no turning humans, and in order to become a resident of the town, you must cut all of your ties with your old life and, you know, pretty much like swear an oath to the community that you're going to uphold these um, laws. So Rain's very existence and the fact that she was turned right outside the community is proof that someone has broken like the foundational rules of this community. So her just showing up already creates a pretty large problem for the Council of Dark River. Yeah, it seems like they're not really sure, you know, initially what to do with her. And nobody blames her, obviously, but it still puts her in a really awkward position. Yeah, there's a lot of people who really don't know how to handle Rain showing up. And she kind of gets put into this position where she's made to feel bad about being the victim of her own murder quite a lot, especially in the first book. It makes me feel awful for her. Yeah, the first book is a lot of her just processing the loss of her old life and, you know, adapting to this new existence as a vampire and what that means. Because <laughs> it's not an easy transition at all. So in this world, supernaturals are still secret from humans, which I feel like we see quite a bit in a lot of fantasy worlds that involve a supernatural element. Uh, but all the supernaturals work together on uh, this council of supernaturals called the Convocation. And there's representation from each type of supernatural. Uh, this reverse harem has a very large harem. And it will it continues to expand throughout the series. It starts off uh, with just three, and then it keeps building throughout. 
And the harem is not just limited to vampires. There will be other types of supernaturals that join the harem. So with that being said, let's introduce you to the harem members. Starting us off with Sheriff Walker Walton. What a name. You want to tell us about him, Ash? I love some alliteration. (laughs) Um, So one of the first things that Rain says is the man was hot. (laughs) Spontaneous combustion, call in the National Guard, hot. He's described as having sandy brown hair and deep green eyes. He has a muscular body and... Throughout the series, he's frequently referred to as the Good Sheriff and the White Knight. Um, And uh, the Sheriff holds out for quite a long time. He really wants to court Rain and go about things the right way. Um, And, you know, her murder is obviously a high priority for him because he's the Sheriff of the town. He needs to find out, you know, who in the town would do something like this. Um, yeah, he has that. I love his character. He has that whole thing about he doesn't want to get romantically involved with Rain while he's investigating her murder because he feels like it would be an ethics breach. And Rain is just like, I do not agree. I think we should bone each other. <laughs> and I love that. But I also love that he's like a stand up guy and sticks to this, you know, moral code that he has. He's the first member of the harem that we're introduced to, but he's actually not the first person that she has sex with. The first person (laughs) that Rain hooks up with is Judge, whose actual name is John Hudson, but he's called Judge. And he is seen as the drifter by the town because he's not officially a part of the town of Dark River. And he's actually one of the first people that is, like, suspected of her murder because he is the drifter that just kind of comes through town. But... Uh, Rain is not suspicious of him. She doesn't think that he was the one responsible. And he is described as having shoulder-length black hair, a gravelly, thick southern accent, blue eyes, is in fact the darkest blue eyes that uh, Rain has ever seen, described as looking like the night sky right at dusk. He calls her sugar, which I love. And he's just supposed to be like that bad boy troublemaker character. And... Almost immediately, right after meeting her, he's like, I can show you the perks of being a vampire. Uh, And (laughs) the perks of being a vampire include having sex and biting each other during sex. And it is a very hot sex scene right off the bat. And you just kind of get this idea that he is going to wander in and out of her life because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's down for commitment. And we'll find that, you know, there are some reasons why this is an issue for Judge later on in the book. But um, that first sex scene between him and Rain, it's described as sucking and fucking. And it's just, uh, it's so hot. He calls her Rainy Day as well, which I also love. Um, He's just a great character. The southern accent, you know... The fact that he says sugar, which is such a southern word, but he's wonderful. But I I don't think that I imagined his hair is like shoulder length. When I reread this first book, I was like, huh, that's not what I had pictured at all. No, I don't think I did either. I think I kind of saw him as having a shorter haircut than that. Yeah, same. I think I imagined more of like the traditional like greaser, like drifter, like shorter haircut like I don't know it's just not what I had expected but I really want to um find 
or see if Grace has any pictures for like the guys that were the inspiration for the harem. So I'll be curious to see what Grace has to say or show us. Yeah, I would love to see some visual representation of what these guys are supposed to look like. So next up, the next person in the harem we meet, and actually the second person to uh, have sex with Rain in the series, is Brody. And Brody is the first non-vampire we meet in Dark River. He is a shifter, and he is brought in, actually, to investigate Rain's death because they want to use his super sniffing abilities to track down uh, where her belongings went and possibly get some clues as to what could have happened to her. He, uh, Rain is like immediately attracted to him. And he is described as having long black hair, black almond-shaped eyes, and deep olive skin. So I see him kind of looking along the lines of more native, native like an indigenous Canadian, since uh, the story does pl- take place in Canada. And he is immediately so emotionally open to rain which is something i love so much about his character he can sense that she's having a rough time and he immediately wants to comfort her and then on top of that he saves her when she's attacked in her apartment and then stays with her to protect her and help her out and he just has this protective energy around him and he's a guy who just is so kind-hearted i love brody I do too, and I love how, I mean, there wasn't really much of a choice in the matter. He was just, you know, pretty much like he kisses her and is like, yeah, like, this is going to be a thing for us. And he's just so, like, warm and loving. He's fantastic. And especially, um, you know, when the next person we're going to discuss comes along, um, you can just see, you know, Brody's alpha come out and see what a strong leader and protector he is. Yes, we we definitely see a lot more of his alpha come out. Then uh, we get Tex, who is actually some a uh, person who knew Rain when she was a human, when she was still Mika. And he pops up in Dark River. He tracked her down, and he was Rain's first crush. He she lost her virginity to him, and there's a lot that comes out about who Tex actually is throughout the series, including the fact that he's not human, as he has believed his whole life. He is, in fact, a shifter, or a part shifter. And he can shift into a snake. And he was able to track down Rain because they were mates. And we learn a little bit more about mates throughout the series. But I... Oh, did I not mention that Tex was blind? That's a pretty important part of his character. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you left that part out and I was like is she gonna say that he's blind because it's pretty impressive that a a blind guy just you know decides (laughs) to go to Canada by himself to look for this girl that he had a thing with that was his neighbor yeah it's pretty important that Tex is blind uh (laughs) so he travels from the United States where Rain was originally from and is like tracking through Canada finding Rain while also being a blind person and he's able to uh, track her down and finds her outside of a nightclub that they went to at one point and then he hears Walker mention Dark River and tracks her all the way to Dark River it's very impressive very impressive and I love Rain's description of Tex 
He's described as cool, self-deprecating, and the most honest person I've ever met. And throughout the series, Tex, like, continues to make, like, jokes about himself being blind, jokes about, you know, the other um, members of the harem being ableist, and it's all in good fun, and I like that it's, you know, he's very lighthearted about the entire thing. I also love the fact that Tex is bi. We get some fantastic bisexual representation throughout this entire series because Tex is not the only one who's bi. Judge is also bi. Um, and because of this wonderful bisexual representation, we get some male-on-male action throughout the book and some pretty interesting three-ways. Oh, it's just, I love how Judge overhears Tex and Rain talking about you know, Tex's interest and judge and it just escalates like in that moment. And there's a scene, you know, when this is happening where Judge is guide is guiding Tex's hands over his scars on his face and his chest and he's explaining how he got them. And it's just so intimate. It is. I do really enjoy that scene because he asks Rain to describe like what people look like to him. And Judge just kind of takes it onto himself to really show Tex like what his face looks like and the different parts of him and who he is as a person yeah and he judge continues with that throughout the series and there's another really hot scene that I love between judge and Tex where the other members of the harem come back I can't remember where they were but (laughs) they come back to the apartment and find them making out with Tex pressed up against the refrigerator with his hands over his head and their relationship is just amazing. It developed instantly and like the love and attraction that those two have for each other and the fact that Rain's included is just so hot. It is. I think it adds a really great additional element to reverse harems when there is more relationships in the harem than just with the female main character. I enjoy that. Yeah and I know you know male on male isn't for everyone um, but if you're a fan of it and you haven't read Featherstone Academy by Casey Keene it has some good scenes like that so definitely check that one out if you're a fan of you know male male female yes all right so after Tex we have X which we learn is short for executioner And he was an enforcer with the Vampire Council along with Judge. And we learned that him and Judge were best friends and they worked together for years. And he is a giant blonde English vampire who used to be a doctor. Um, I believe he talks about his practice that he had in London. And he describes himself as collector of China teacups and savior of damsels in distress. And X's character is one of my favorites because the sass and just fun that he brings into every situation is so fantastic. Yes, and he instantly starts flirting with Rain as well and, like, you know, makes so many jokes about joining the harem, like, very early on when he's first introduced. And I think that X's character is the one that first got me into Shibari. Like, this, you know, not tying and tying up that he does, like, ugh, I, I had, had no idea that this was a kink for me. But then, you know, <laughs> when I read it again in Havoc with Oscar, oh, it's just, I'm so into it. Yes. Uh, so, then we have Nico, who 
is the therapist in Dark River is also one of the founding members of Dark River and sits on the council. We learn that he is one of the oldest vampires alive and that he's covered in what is uh, referred to as Pictish tattoos from a tribe that he belonged to when he was a human. Um, he, his two brothers, his twin brother and his older brother, are also very important in the vampire world. His older brother, we learn, is the head of vampires for the convocation, so he is the vampire in charge of all other vampires. And then his other brother, his identical twin brother, is the head of the Enforcers. And we will talk a little bit more about Lucius in a second. Uh, and I love how Nico <laughs> is just such a weird guy. And so Rain has to go to these mandated therapy sessions with him. And it's pretty much just that she belts out everything that she's feeling and thinking to him while they eat ice cream in his terribly decorated office. And I just, I love Nico. He's like funny. He's just so lovable. Yes, and we learn that Nico has a type of compulsion where if he asks you a direct question, you have to answer him honestly immediately. And Nico uses this on Rain sporadically, but we also learn that he hates having this power. Oh, we also learn that Titus, who is Nico and Lucius's older brother, is the person responsible for turning him and his twin brother, and Titus has a lot of guilt wrapped up in that because he is not always sure that it was the correct decision to make which i can understand that but i think that if i was going to live forever i mean who better to choose to share that with than you know your siblings who you love i think he feels like he took the choice away from them though from what i understood yeah i get that and finally, the seventh and final member of this incredibly large harem is Lucius, who is Nico's identical twin brother. They do pretend to be each other sometimes, like they're fucking Mary-Kate and Ashley. <laughs> and uh, we learn that Lucius is going insane due to his age and losing his grip on humanity. And because of that, he is known as being incredibly violent and bloodthirsty as the head of the Enforcers. And he learns that using rain helps him to stay sane and keep his grip on his humanity. So that is the primary reason why he joins the harem in the first place. And when Sam says using rain, do you mean like, what do you mean by that, Sam? <laughs> Well, we learn a little bit later on that Rain has something very special about her, that <laughs> when you drink her blood or have sex with her or really just make out with her, um, the transfer of bodily fluids, that sounds gross, the <laughs> that transfer helps to uh, transfer some of the magic that she has and creates kind of an obsession and that obsession is enough that Lucius can focus on something else and while he maintains his focus he's also able to maintain his grip on his humanity which allows him to stay sane and this totally brings me back to something else that I thought of isn't it when X feeds from someone that they orgasm instantly <laughs> Yes, he has a venom that when he feeds, there is an instant <laughs> orgasm. 
<laughs> I totally forgot about that until this exact moment. Lucius and the whole rain thing made me remember it. But we'll talk about that a little bit later, too, because I have some some pretty heavy thoughts on that whole plot device. But we'll come back to that later. Okay. So that is the harem. Very large. Seven men. I don't know how Rain is able to juggle all of them at once. Although I guess it helps that... Oh, also X is also bi. So she has three men in her harem who also enjoy having sex with the other men in her harem. So I guess that helps a little bit. And I feel like this is something that's common in a lot of the, you know, the vampire reverse harems or the paranormal reverse harems that I've read that include vampires. And I'm not sure if it's something with their longevity that encourages them to be interested in male on male relationships. Like, and I think that there's also mention of the fact that like the ratio of male vampires to female vampires is off, but I don't know. I feel like it's common for vampires to be just to be a little more open-minded about, you know, the same sex, which I think, you know, more men should be that way. Yeah, when uh, I was texting my friend Sarah about the series when she was doing her read through uh, that inspired my reread. And she said, how did how did Rain luck out and get three bisexual men in her harem? And I said, well, when you're a vampire and you live forever, it must get boring only having sex with the same gender every single time. Like you got to learn to spice it up when you live forever. Yeah, I think you ha- you have to be curious. I mean, I don't know. I feel like most women have bisexual tendencies. Yes. But I don't know if it's as common for men or if they're just not as open about it because of, you know, the stigma placed on them by society. I would say toxic masculinity makes it less likely to for people to be open about it when they identify as men. But I would also say that with the newer generations, we're slowly very slowly moving into unfortunately uh, yeah i wish it were faster moving into a society that's more accepting of people who go outside of the typical gender norms and identify outside of binary genders so i think as we become more accepting of the fact that you don't always have to identify and act as the gender that you were born into we will slowly move more and more away from toxic masculinity and all the awful things that go along with that and move towards a society that's more accepting of differences in general. I agree. I agree. I can only hope that it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, it would have been nice if it were a little bit sooner. Maybe things would have been could have been more exciting for us. <laughs> That reminds me of a conversation I had uh, through text with another friend who where we were discussing how she feels like she's probably bi. And she goes, yeah, I feel that way, but I just keep getting trapped by straight white men. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta watch out for the cis white men. <laughs> okay, we ready to get started talking about book one? Yes. All right, so book one is Newly Undead in Dark River. And we start off strong with the first line being, I woke to a rat scuttling across my chest, which sounds fucking terrifying and disgusting, and I would lose my shit. 
This is one of the funniest opening lines to a book that I've ever read. Um, and it continues on to, damn, I was hungry. And the character <laughs> is aware that something is very wrong because she's like hungry about the rat scuttling across her chest. Yes, that that reminds me. There's um, I've run into quite a few TikToks about series that have great opening lines. And there was one, uh, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite Jennifer L. Armentrout series, other than from Blood and Ash, is her uh, series that are all about gargoyles and demons. And it starts off, the, the first two sentences is, there's a demon in McDonald's and she's buying a Big Mac. <laughs> and I just <laughs> love that opening so much. I think that you texted me about that. I did, because it was just... That's amazing. What a way to open a series. First book in the series. Shout out to Jennifer L. Armentrout for everything, because I love her so much. And we'll talk about that later, too. Yes, and what we're reading next week's section. All right, so Mika shows up in Dark River, and we've already gone over what Dark River is like as a community. But she kind of has to make that decision after she's turned into a vampire as to whether or not she wants to stay in Dark River. And she has to make that decision pretty quickly. And she's really wrestling with the decision because she isn't sure if she wants to completely give up on, like, contact with everyone in her human life. But then she learns that regardless of if she stays in Dark River, she's going to have to do that anyway. So she does decide to stay in Dark River and she takes the vows in front of the council and they give her a job and a life she works at the immortal cupcake which is a really adorable bakery and then they show movies and it's also a bookstore and honestly that sounds like my dream a bakery bookstore that shows movie combo yes please yeah especially when you live in a tiny small town like a little combination one-stop shop like that oh it would be amazing Small town bookstores are some of my favorite places in the entire world. That just makes me think back to, like, cricket, too. Yes. There's, um, my family would go on vacation down in the Outer Banks every summer, and there's an island off of the Outer Banks called Ocracoke that you have to take a ferry to get to. The ferry! Yeah. So we would take the ferry over to Ocracoke, and there was a bookstore on Ocracoke Island that I am obsessed with that also has like a cafe in it. So I just, every single time we would go, I would get a smoothie and then browse books in this bookstore. And it was one of my favorite places on this planet. Aw, that's a nice little memory, like little ritual for your trip. I love the Outer Banks. It's so nice. Yes, there's also a chain of bookstores down there called the Island Bookstore that I still go to when we go down there um, and always buy because... You should support local bookstores. Uh, um, did you want to so, add anything about Mika vowing to the town or move on? Um, I was going to move on and just say that along with these vows where she decides to commit to Dark River, she also commits to, you know, be someone different than who she was in her old life. She really views this as a chance to kind of transform herself and start over um, so she decides that she's not going to conform and she's not going to be obedient anymore. Yeah, she really wants to make that change from Mika to Rain. And part of what happens is Ella and Cresta 
two of the other vampires that are residents in the town. Ella owns a clothing boutique and Cresta um, is a hairstylist. They give her this full makeover and she transforms into a totally different person. She has like this cherry red like ombre hair. I can't, is that like an accurate description of it you would say? Like ombre. Um, And she starts, you know, wearing clothing that's a lot sexier than what she was used to. Um, Because I I take it before she was somewhat modest, at least in how she dressed. Um, So she goes with things that are a little bit more revealing. Yeah, she kind of describes herself as being more of a wallflower and like going under everyone else's radar. And then when she made this change and decided to start this new life, she wanted to stand out and be more noticed by everyone. I mean, like, she didn't already stand out in a town full of vampires where she's, like, the only one to be, like, created there through a murder. Yeah, I think, I don't know if she regrets that decision later on (laughs) when so much has happened, but, yeah, it is what it is. Um, I also love how uh, Grace wrote the character of Mika is, you know, she's not your typical tiny female main character she's curvier i think she's what a size 12 we love a curvy main character here we do and so kudos to grace and this also brings up another one of my favorite things about this series is that in this series when you turn into a vampire you can still eat normal human food and it does not make you gain any weight (laughs) that would be the dream so like Chili cheese fries, that's one of Rain's favorite foods. Anything fried from Bert and Beatrice's diner. I love the, the relationship she has with Bert. Oh, it's adorable. And he just like always makes her these new creations. Yeah, how he's always experimenting for her and she's the only one yes. who will try his fried experiments. I love it so much. Well, and I love how like Walker like makes some comments about like her eating habits at times, and I'm like, whoa dude if you can eat whatever you want indulge in that shit yeah like fuck off walker if she wants to eat fried oreos and chili cheese fries all day every day she can do what she wants right get out of here with that a character who i normally love you don't you don't shame your significant other for what they want to eat absolutely not so who makes this quote that you pulled into your notes i don't i don't remember this is that is this rain that says that Yes, it's Beatrice is talking about something and, you know, I guess references, like, it's something Twilighty, and Rain says, I laughed and then screwed up my nose. No Twilight references ever. And I've never read or watched any of the Twilight movies. You haven't? (laughs) No. What? I just did a Twilight reread not that long ago. I mean, maybe I'll read it if I can get, like, a good deal on the books on Kindle or something, but... Listen, I was obsessed with Twilight when they first came out. Not, like, okay, I have to, I have to uh, be, be very clear, because there were very different levels of obsession when it comes to Twilight. I was obsessed to the point where I was just very excited about the next books coming out and, like, staying up and reading them. I was not obsessed to the point of having, like, Edward's face on a shirt and, like, my whole room (laughs) decked out in Twilight memorabilia. That was not me. I was the fan who very much enjoyed the series. I just feel like, too, like, I don't like 
uh, I'm not sure if he pronounced it Kirsten Stewart or Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Stewart. I'm not a big fan of her face. Like, I feel like she just okay. looks like she's, like, smelling something bad all the time. And, like, her, like, little rabbit teeth are always kind of showing. Wow, I, like... Ashley. Wow. <laughs> so I just am not interested in watching a movie where she's the female main character. <laughs> like, the books would probably be one thing. But now, every time I'm reading the books, I feel like I would just picture her as the female main character. And it just doesn't do it for me. I, so, there's a lot of things you can criticize about Twilight. I am not one of those, uh... Twilight fans who will tell you that it's perfectly written or anything like that. I also am not a huge fan of the fact that it's literally like Mormon propaganda. But when you talk about the acting in the movies versus like what you expect from the characters in the book, I don't think that Kristen Stewart did a terrible job because Bella is the least detailed main character ever. Like she's (laughs) literally supposed to be like a mirror that the readers can just push themselves into this character and pretend like they're the ones falling in love with a vampire. So she didn't really have a lot to work with in the first place. Interesting. I don't know. I might have to read it now. <laughs> if I can just insert myself into the story that easily. You really can. You know I have a, you know I have a thing for vampires. Girl, I was in love with Edward Cullen 100% convinced that I was Bella and that I could live in Forks, Washington. I think that, like, when I was a kid, Interview with a Vampire just really, like, got me going on this. I definitely not appropriate for, like, a child to be watching. No. I, through my reread, I found a lot of things that where I was like, oh, my God, why did she write that? But then I also was like, I remember making that switch from, like, really enjoying Twilight to, like, talking about how shitty it was. And through my reread, I was like, you know what? These aren't as bad (laughs) as I was remembering them being. Like, is it still some terrible writing choices and some interesting descriptions of what are supposed to be sexy outfits but are actually floor-length khaki skirts? (laughs) Yes, that very much exists in that series. But, like, the drama is still there and, like, the world building is still there. So I don't want to completely take away from it. Hmm. So if you're a Twilight fan, maybe give me some reasons why I need to read this series. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more opinions other than just you read it and you loved it. I want the good, the bad, and the ugly. The ugly is definitely the floor-length khaki skirt. <laughs> <laughs> what about the animatronic movie baby? Also, oh, that's a Twilight baby. That's a running joke throughout the uh, Twilight community is we never call her by her name, which is Renesmee. You have to uh, come up with some other word that starts with R. So like people will call her resume, (laughs) recipe, uh, receipt. All are fantastic substitute names instead of Renesmee because Renesmee is a dumb name. I love that. (laughs) Receipt. No one makes fun of Twilight more than the people who actually do like Twilight. (laughs) Also, shout out to the guy from Parks and Rec who wanted to put Twilight in the time capsule. Oh my god, that's such a good episode. (laughs) With the, like, five different time capsules. (laughs) Anyway, let's get this train back on the tracks. Yes, sorry, tangent. (laughs) 
Uh, Ashley has some complaints about uh, baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I started this series before Sam, and I was like, hey, this series is so great. You have to read it. But there's this one really really weird thing that bothers me about the way that it's written. So there's this part where Rain, Brody, and Judge are watching baseball together, and it turns out that Brody and Judge, like, later form this bromance, but there's no sword crossing because Brody doesn't go that way, but we know the Judge goes that way. And it keeps saying that they're watching the baseball. The baseball. And this is, this is referred to as the baseball several times. And I'm not sure if this is, like, an Australian thing, you know, because... I don't think that Australians really watch baseball. It's like rugby and cricket are like the big things there, right? Uh, I, mean, I can't it's even soccer? comment on Australian sports because I have no idea. I know that I'm sure that rugby is like a big one, but if you're Australian, is it the baseball? We can. We can. Is that like what someone who doesn't know anything about baseball would call it? And I, I obviously plan to ask. Grace I was gonna this, say, you know, you're gonna just, ask Grace about it. This is just such a weird thing for me, and I was like, man, I hope that this doesn't turn Sam off from this series because I felt like it was really odd. So I don't know if you did like some arc reads or like beta reads for Grace. Like, did you just think that this was normal? Or what, what what's going on there? You're the odd one out. Everyone calls it the baseball, Ashley. <laughs> you don't call it the baseball. <laughs> Never have I said, I'm going to sit down and watch the baseball. You could say, I'm going to sit down and watch the baseball game. But nobody is watching the baseball. <laughs> like, I'm just sitting and watching a single baseball sit on a field. Yes. No. <laughs> but anyway. And that's all I have to say about that. So. <laughs> um, as the series progresses, Rain is now seeing Judge and Brody. And uh, Walker is still investigating her death. And her maker, the vampire responsible for turning her into a vampire, starts to retaliate against Rain to try and convince Walker and Rain to call off the investigation. And the first way that Rain's maker starts to uh, mess with her is she um, is going into her apartment and the maker burns her eyes by uh, exposing them to sunlight. And that is when Brody comes to rescue her, being the wonderful knight in shining armor that he is. And in addition to that, a few weeks later, uh, her blood supply is tainted, which leads to a really hot sex scene between her uh Brody and Judge because Judge is sucking the tainted blood out of her and Brody is replenishing her blood supply at the same time so it is a very hot sex scene and we should add that newly turned vampires are very very sensitive to the sunlight as you know vampires age they get more accustomed to it and can be you know out in the sun with sunglasses for longer periods of time but newly turned vamps it's not really advised um so she could have pretty much lost her eyesight just from that one you know 
incident, but luckily she recovers. Um, and the tainted blood supply, the sex scene is super hot, but then the next day it's like, oh, Rain wakes up to the sound of Judge just vomiting up all this tainted blood. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Yeah, but he knew that's... that was going to happen and he still did that for her, which I think is kind of the first sign that Judge's feelings run deeper than them just fucking for fun. Fucking. <laughs> which, I mean, that's always good when you think, like, if you're into someone and you think it's just, you know, a for fun thing and you find out that it turns out to be more than that for them. Yeah, it was a really sweet thing that he did for her. Uh, so, in addition to this, through the investigation that uh, Walker is doing, but then also Judge is doing at the same time, we find out that backpackers are going missing in the area and then turning back up like weeks later with their family. But Rain is the first backpacker that went missing and then like never came back again. So it's a sign that something strange is happening around Dark River, but they don't know what yet. And then it's, you know, through all of these weird things happening with Rain that they decide that they need to seek some extra help and have some protection for her apartment. And that protection comes in the form of wards done by a witch named Miranda. And Brody is the one who suggests Miranda because she did the wards around his pack lands, which help keep out all vampires. But then we start to learn that Miranda and Judge have a history, but Judge is being super shady about it. And this is something that annoys me about his character is that he never wants to give Rain any information about his history. And it leads to these situations where she's like going in blind and kind of like fumbling through the conversation because he never like prepared her for whatever was going to happen and it pisses her off but it pisses me off even more I feel like she forgives him too fast for this because it is very obvious that Miranda at one point had feelings for Judge but he never gave Rain any sort of like heads up like hey Miranda's not just a witch who did the wards around Brody's Packlands she's also a person who I used to fuck on the regular yeah, and, you know, work closely with in his previous line of work. And I think that it's so important when you're building a foundation for a relationship to be honest and open. Yes. And just judge just isn't that way. And it's very troublesome for me. And like you said, Rain is just so forgiving. But I love that after the fact, when they're, like, testing the wards... <laughs> judge goes across the threshold and he's allowed in but he like screams out like fuck or something because it zaps him in his balls i i thought that was funny too i have a lot of mixed feelings about miranda she's kind of i get that she had feelings for judge and i think she's a little bit petty with how she handles the situation but then at the same time, like, we don't know how Judge treated her, but we kind of get the idea that he wasn't the best person to be emotionally involved with at the time. And we learn later that X was in love with her for, like, years, and she just kind of ignored him the entire time, which, I mean, is her prerogative. You're not required to return anyone else's feelings. But you kind of just get this sense that 
she's a person who's difficult to trust. But then at the same time, like, I want to like her character. So it's difficult for me because, like, obviously you would root against her since she's, like, an ex of someone in the harem. But I, I like her as, like, a strong female character in the series. So I just feel a lot of mixed and conflicted emotions about her. Yeah, and I would love to find out some more background on Miranda. Like, if there was a spinoff series about, you know, her and the other witches, I think that that would be really interesting. So I agree. That's something that I'm going to have to ask. We're going to have to ask Grace about. So in therapy, uh, Nico reveals that he has the compulsion that we talked about earlier that requires people to tell him the truth. And he decides to be a sneaky little shit and asks Rain if she's <laughs> attracted to him. And if she'd let him uh, take her out sometime. So this is our clue that Nico is interested in joining the harem. Uh, but I'm not 100% of a fan of the way that he goes about it. But I guess you got to use the gifts that you have. Right. And I liked it. I thought it was funny and very, like, Nico-esque. He's a little tricky little thing. <laughs> and then Tech shows up at the diner. Uh, using his powers to track her down and we find out that he's a shifter and that he's Rain's mate and which was why he was able to find her while also being blind and he kind of adds this additional conflict in where shifters have blood that's very tempting to vampires so it adds an additional layer of danger that he can't really stay in town without doing something about it because he's just kind of out there as a snack box to any vampire who might want one. Yeah, they can sense that faster pulse that, you know, living beings have. And when you're a shifter, I think it's even a little bit faster. And your um, your body temperature is also warmer. Um, so he's very desirable <laughs> to the vampires in the town. So it's extremely dangerous for him to be there. So what ends up happening is uh, Brody takes um, Tex back to Packlands and gets him inducted into his pack so that he is under the agreement that the pack and Dark River have between one another. And that solves that conflict. But then as that conflict is solved... We finally find out who uh, Rain's maker is because Walker doesn't show up to movie night and she goes up to her apartment and finds Alice trying to drain him. And Alice compels her, because your maker can compel you to do things, uh, to drink from him and stake him and then stake herself. And sh you cannot fight off a compulsion from your maker, so she is, like, convinced that she's about to kill Walker and herself. And this scene was so difficult for me because, like, Walker's, like, telling her, like, it's going to be okay, and she's trying her hardest to fight the compulsion, and she's, like, I feel like she's essentially, like, choking on his blood because she doesn't want to do this, and, uh, it was just so painful and terrible and... You know, Alice was Walker's friend, and, you know, even Rain considered Alice a friend. I mean, you know, she lives above Angeline's bakery, and Angeline and Alice are a couple, and it's just... Yeah. I definitely didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't either. So, 
Judd shows up with X, and uh, they both are able to save Walker and Rain. And Alice is taken away to the council and is sentenced to execution, which X offers to do so that no one has to kill their friend. And Angeline, who is in a relationship with Alice, is completely devastated and ends up closing the immortal cupcake and kind of like becoming a recluse who doesn't want to interact with anyone from the community because she just like lost the love of her life. And Rain is taking a lot of that guilt onto herself. And we find out that Alice was doing all this with the hikers and kidnapped Rain because she was trying to provide the town's blood supply. And she never asked anyone for help. She just kind of took it upon herself to do it this way. And so Rain is kind of dealing with that guilt of feeling responsible for the fact that Alice was executed, even though it wasn't her fault. Um, But the guys in the harem do something really cute. And since she wants to move out of that apartment where all of that terrible shit went down, they get her a cute little black cottage that's in the back of Walker's property. And... They help her move into it, and her and Tex are going to live there together, and it's so freaking adorable. Oh, I love it. And, you know, when they're talking about her being able to paint the inside whatever color she wants, even if it's pink. And it's just uh, such a sweet gesture from all of them because it's going to be a place where they can be together, but also that, you know, it can be kind of a neutral ground. All those alphas. Yeah. So the book one ends with them in the diner and X strolls into the diner talking about how he wants to join the harem and then warns them all that Lucius, Nico's twin, and the vampire nation are coming to Dark River after everything that just happened with Alice. Uh, And that's how book one ends. Yeah, just kind of abruptly like, okay, I guess my life is not going to be quiet and happy after all. (laughs) And then book two is Happily Undead in Dark River. And we kind of start out with some uh, happy and like sappy scenes with Rain and her harem. We get interactions between her and Judge and Tex. And then she's going on a date with Walker. But then uh, X interrupts their really cute date and shows up injured (laughs) because Lucius uh, stabbed him with the traitor's blade for telling them that the vampire nation was coming and he's like dying as he enters the diner and that stops their date which i mean i wouldn't expect anything else to happen like that just seems like something that would definitely happen when walker is of course trying to have like this nice like date with rain (laughs) x is also like the king of cock blocking so he's just he started off strong with his record that he keeps throughout the whole series and who's the one that sutures him up isn't it judge yeah judge is has like field medic experience from the civil war and he sutures uh x up and takes care of his back for him and this is also which i love because x is the doctor and he's being sutured up by judge yeah this is also when we learn that x's venom can cause an orgasm because x bites rain without permission and gives her an orgasm in the middle of him like having his back healed (laughs) typical x behavior what a power to have uh we also learned that the all the harem guys have a group chat between themselves and judge being like the crotchety old man of the group 
has no idea how to work his phone and is very reluctant to type. But when he does type, he does it in all caps. <laughs> and Tex keeps telling him to stop shouting. And Judd is like, I'm not shouting. I'm just typing. <laughs> and again, their relationship together. Oh, God, I just love them. I just thought that part was adorable. Uh, then Brody and Tex return from being in Packlands, and they learn that Tex can turn into a snake. He has his first real shift, which is so exciting for him. It is, and it's nice for him to discover a little bit more about that side of himself. Uh, and then there's a really sad scene that, like, made me cry, where Rain is- Sam crying? No way! I know, it's so surprising that I'm emotional. Um... Rain is laying in bed between Tex and Judge, and Tex gets a call on his cell phone. It's from Rain's mom, and Rain can hear the entire conversation, and she's just, like, crying silently because she can't talk to her mom, and her mom is, like, so sad and upset, and it breaks my heart. Like, I can't even imagine having your mom, like, within hearing distance and not being able to talk to her. Yeah, that part was really difficult, and... isn't there something too where like I guess maybe te- like Tex came out to his parents about being bisexual and then Rain's mom is like, you know, you're always welcome here. Yes, that is what they're talking about in that phone call. Yeah. And that just to me like, oh, that says so much about, you know, Rain's family and their connection to Tex and what good people they must have been. So, I understand how hard that was for her. I couldn't imagine just, you know, having to leave your entire life behind. I know. It was heartbreaking. So as X warned, the Vampire Nation and the Enforcers invade the town. And they really are just acting like assholes the entire time. Yeah, they're they're going into the diner and uh, destroying all of Beatrice's uh, dishes. And they're tearing up the salon. And they're just going around destroying stuff for fun because... The enforcers are just like a group of bullies, basically. And we meet Lucius, who is the head of the enforcers and also Nico's identical twin brother. And he's being a real dick about things, but he's taken an interest in Rain. And he's decided that he wants to just take her. And Nico stops that from happening, but it becomes very clear that that's going to be a looming threat. Uh, for the rest of the book since he's taken an interest in her and he doesn't just give things up easily. Uh, But then the enforcers take Angeline and leave town and they have to figure out what they're going to do in order to get Angeline back. Yeah, I don't have too much to say about any of that stuff. (laughs) I think you covered it really well, but I loved, you know, that like protective side of Nico. Yeah, that that was good to see. This is also where Rain finds out that Lucius is Nico's twin and I again the guys just constantly keep important information from her like she's brand new to this world and they don't tell her anything and Nico's like well I I didn't want you to see me differently through the lens of like me being related to him and it's like I get that but you know she's gonna meet him at some point so you have to prepare her for that yeah and she already met you first so she knows that you're not like that I don't know that doesn't really make any sense to me yeah, I, I just hate that they constantly keep her in the dark. Like, it makes her seem like a clueless character, which is not who she is. Yeah, I feel like she's very much not a Mary Sue. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of parts where she gets agitated and 
you know, has her own opinions and all of that kind of stuff, but they do keep quite a bit from her. They do. Um, so they decide in order to get Angeline back, they uh, pretty much almost the entire harem is going to go after the uh, enforcers back to the head of the vampire nation and try and convince Titus, who is Lucius and Nico's older brother, to give her leniency since she didn't do anything wrong. She was just the life partner of the person who murdered Rain. So since almost the entire harem is going, they want to keep Rain safe, so they decide to take Rain to Packlands to Niso, which is the name of the Packlands that Brody and his pack live on. And Brody and Tex are going to keep her safe while the rest of the harem is gone. And I love some of the things that happen in Niso, like the cookout and Rain gets to like, you know, meet some of the other members of the pack. And I don't know. It's just like a nice community. It is. We get to meet Brody's grandmother and Brody's mom, who is not very nice. And then also Brody's sister. Um, Is it his sister or his cousin? It might have been his cousin. Um, but he has we, a big family, so you meet quite a few members. Yes. Um, and it's nice to meet those like background characters in Brody's life. But there are also several attempts on uh, their lives while they're in Niso. They, someone tries to shoot an ash arrow at Rain, which would kill her. They also blow up Brody's house. Um, and in general, people are very upset that Rain is there. And she's trying to figure out why they're so upset and why she, and she's talking to um, one of the people who Brody has set down to protect her. And that person reveals the fact that they are so upset because she's Brody's mate and she's a vampire. And Brody has been hiding the fact that she's his mate this entire time. And again with the hiding. Like, how are you going to hide something like that? It's... And I love Brody's character so much. He's one of my favorite guys in the harem. But, like, stop hiding information from Rain. It's so annoying. That's a big deal. I mean, we know that mate bonds are a huge deal in the shifter community. And then why? Why would you hide that? Because you're worried about freaking her out? I think she's going to be more mad that you hit it. And, again, Rain forgives him, like, instantly. I'm like, girl, you're allowed to be upset about things. I don't know. The final attempt on her life is a bunch of pack members kidnapping her and taking her outside pack lands to sell her to Lucius and the enforcers so that um, he can take ownership of her because he like put out a hit on her basically and was like, I want her, bring her to me. So these pack members are like, okay, we'll do it. So they kidnap her, bring her outside of pack lands, but one of the uh, pack members is the son of the leader of this little rebellion and he doesn't actually want to go along with it but his father is abusive and he forced him into it and so he is like whispering into rain's ear while they're moving like hey don't let the alpha kill me (laughs) i didn't want to do this i'm gonna like help you get out of this i already texted uh, like your protectors to let them know where we are but before anyone can get to them uh she turns all of the people who kidnapped her minus the one kid into sheep and she has no idea how she did it yeah and this is a part that i forgot 
You forgot that she turned a bunch of men into sheep? Yeah, that's like, I just totally forgot about that. I was like, I knew she got kidnapped, but I couldn't remember what happened. So they don't really explore that power more, but it does come up later in book three. Uh, And Brody and Tex like race to rescue her. And there's this great image of Tex is like a lion, I think a lion or a tiger and Brody no, Tex is the snake. Brody is snake the lion or a tiger. And, and Tex is riding on Brody's back as a snake. And I just think that's the funniest image. I know. I loved that too. That's like, I remember stuff like that. Like something as specific as Tex being a snake on Brody's back, but can't remember the part about the sheep. So they're like rushing back to Packland so that they're inside the barrier where Lucius can't get to her. And. They run into um, Judge and Warner and who they believe is Nico because they're back from getting Angeline. And um, she kisses Nico. Well, actually, who she believes to be Nico. And she realizes during the kiss that this is not Nico, that this is Lucius pretending to be Nico. And she does this fantastic maneuvering where she manages to, like, get everyone else inside the wards so that he can't hurt anyone. And then she, like, backs up into the wards before he reveals who he is. And she's like, um, where is Nico? And he was, like, right behind them. He was on his way. But this kiss changes things with Lucius because he swapped bodily fluids with Rain. And that's when we first start seeing a change in how Lucius interacts with Rain. And I think that that whole concept was just really interesting for her to include in this series. But I guess it's confusing to me why just Lucius was affected by this, but Nico was fine. Oh, like losing his mind? Like losing his grip on his humanity? I had the same question. I'm guessing it's because, like, Of what he did as an enforcer? Yeah, like, Lucius was already more prone to, like, violence and doing awful things. So it was easy for him to, like, let go of that grip on his humanity. But Nico was doing, like, the opposite. Like, holding on to his humanity as tightly as possible. And, like, building Dark River and, like, being a therapist and doing all that kind of stuff. (laughs) So, um, we get fantastic scene with X and his love of Shabari at the end of book two. Whew. And um, after that scene, when they're all recovering, they go to the doorstep and the opening of the chapter is there was a severed head on my doorstep, which is another just great opening to a chapter. And they realize that the severed head is from Lucius and it's like a love letter, his form of a love letter to Rain, which is really when Lucius starts to become one of my favorite characters in the series. Because who doesn't love a man who's going to leave the head of your enemy on your doorstep? That's my kind of guy. <laughs> I mean, what better devotion to someone than a nice severed head? <laughs> it's like when a cat leaves a mouse for you, exactly. but infinitely more creepy. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves like a love note in the mouth. I love him so much. What is wrong with me? Why do these characters become my favorite? What does that say about me as a person? 
I don't know. I think that that really goes into your whole, like, Virgo (laughs) sign. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, Angeline returns from being taken by the enforcers and decides that she's just going to leave Dark River. She can't stand being here anymore. And as a final... She should have done that right from the, like, I don't know, once Alice was killed like she should have just left yeah but that's just my opinion you're not wrong and as like a final apology to rain for being a shitty person and blaming her for her own murder uh she gives her the keys to the immortal cupcake and is like you i want you to take over the business and then book two ends with the head of the shifters alexander who's a dragon shifter showing up at their doorstep asking if tex is his grandson which is a great cliffhanger It is, and I just wanted to say, like, I understand Angeline giving Rain the keys to the Immortal Cupcake, but, like, even Rain is like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, she's like, I don't know how to run this business or do anything. Yes, and we're going to talk about this more in, you know, when we get to book three in a few seconds, but I'm just like, that's that's what you're going to go with? Like, oh, sorry that my ex- wife or sorry my wife killed you to get your blood and made you a vampire and then tried to kill you multiple times after that and then i was shitty to to kill walker and blamed you for her being executed yes but like here take my cupcake shop because i liked you (laughs) like what no i was legit mad at angeline with how she reacted everything like i know she was mourning And that, like, people react to mourning in different ways. But with all of the shit that Alice put Rain through in book one, like, tortured her and murdered her, you're really going to turn around and be such a shitty fucking human to someone who was your friend because uh, your wife was executed for her own actions. Yeah, and you can love someone and believe that they're a shitty person, you know? Like, you don't just have to side with your significant other because they're your significant other. Yeah, like, if my husband is going around murdering people, I'm not going to get mad at the people that he murders for him going to jail. Like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Problematic. It is. I have some issues with Angeline, obviously. So that's the end of book two, and then we jump into book three, which is the last book in the series, which is called Pleasantly Undead in Dark River. And again, we open up with another head on the doorstep from Lucius. Love, love this for us. And it's the head of a rapist who was, like, on a crime spree in a major city. Like, yes, Lucius, that's, that's the kind of people you need to be beheading. Good choice, my friend. He is just so wild. Like, he just is crazy and unpredictable and he just wants to be with rain i love i love it uh i just like can i just say i wish that just like one kiss could make somebody feel like that about me like (laughs) amazing uh rain is trying to figure out what the fuck she's gonna do with the immortal cupcake because she's like i don't know how to bake nico's trying to teach her how to bake not going well and that's the thing like oh so nico just happens to be this amazing baker and in addition to all of his other duties you know being on the town council and being the town therapist like 
So he's just going to step in and help Rain and make her these amazing cupcakes. I can believe it, though, because, like, when you're alive for, like, what is he, like, 500 years old, 800 years old, something crazy? he's, like, super old. I mean, I get it, but, like, I don't know. He just, he has a lot going on. But, I mean, it does make me love him even more. Yes, I do love Nico. So she's trying to show, she's trying to figure that out. And then also Tex is trying to figure out what's going on uh, with his possible grandfather showing up on his doorstep, the dragon shifter Alexander. And they decide that they're going to do a uh, ceremony, but they have to wait for a certain phase of the moon in order to do a ceremony to figure out if they're actually related to one another. Um, And then Miranda shows up in the middle of the night and pulls Rain out of her sleep and tells Rain that she has this large harem of men that are surrounding her because she has succubus blood uh, and that her succubus blood makes these men attracted to her and like is addicting to them basically and rain immediately believes that the only reason that these guys are interested in her is because she like basically trapped them into a relationship and this brings up a lot of insecurities for her that she has to work through and deal with between her and the guys and as soon as i read this part in my original reading of the book i texted sam about it because i i thought it was really disappointing um, you know, we know that it's not just because of the succubus blood that there's something going on between her and the guys, but I mean, that's obviously a big part of it. And, you know, I like the fact that Rain is a curvier female main character, and I didn't want there to be a catch as to why the guys were into her. I wanted it to just be, you know, an organic thing. Um, and I get that it adds to the plot, but still, it just upset me a little bit. And it, I really, oh, go ahead, Ash. Go on. You can go on. (laughs) I also, it made me feel kind of resentful towards Miranda because it felt like Miranda was looking for a reason that Judge could possibly fall in love with Rain because if he couldn't fall in love with her, then why would he possibly fall for Rain? And it felt like really like shitty, petty behavior for her to show up and be like, look, Judge doesn't actually love you. He's just interested in you because you have succubus blood. And it's like. That's it's a shitty thing to do to someone and it's a shitty thing to do to try and like undermine the relationship. And I want to like Miranda as a character, but this really got under my skin because it felt like a really awful thing to do. I mean, I have never liked her. I have always thought that she was a complete bitch. Um, I think that the traveling vagina like magic slit is cool, but (laughs) <laughs> that is but that for those who don't know and don't and think Ashley's having like a stroke or something right now. That is how Rain describes like the teleportal that Miranda opens up to travel from place to place. She describes it as a giant vagina. <laughs> so eloquently put. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, yeah, this I don't know. I'm going to discuss this with Grace in detail when we have her on the show because I'm just curious. I, I do want to know what her what she was aiming for with Miranda. Like was Miranda supposed to be a villain or was she supposed to be like more of a gray complex character? And um Grace did also mention to me cuz you know we chat quite a bit um that she has some other, you know, offshoot stories um 
about characters in the harem and you know specifically her and I were talking about judge and text because I love them and I'm wondering if she has any of that for Miranda and if she'd be willing to share some of that with us um so if that's something that you would be interested in seeing from Grace please let us know so she eventually is able to like wrap her head around the fact that these guys love her regardless of the succubus blood and Nico is trying to help her with that and get her mind off of things. And he goes into this like dominance mode where he's like, I'm going to take over. You can just stop thinking for a second and you are going to do everything exactly as I tell you. And it like he has her call him sir. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. And you know that I'm particularly interested in like dominant primal things and that's why I was originally so attracted to Vic and the Havoc series and that part with Nico was just oh so hot and it was so different from everything else that we had seen from him so far so it's really hot she's finally able to have a conversation with Lucius instead of him just leaving heads on her doorstep and he reveals to her that he wants to court her so that he can continue to use her succubus gifts in order to maintain his sanity. And she's like, I'll talk to the guys about it, but also maybe stop leaving body parts on my doorstep. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, I'll find some other gifts to bring you. <laughs> yeah, and that's like all it took to get it to stop was her just being like, hey, please don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't with the heads anymore. Oh, God, I love him so much. It was really thoughtful, but please don't. Uh, then we learn about this vampire called the Collector. Well, actually, they don't know if it's a vampire or not. But it's this guy who collects uh, supernatural creatures of all kinds that are rare and different. And it's just like abducting them and keeping them in cages. And they've been trying to track the Collector down. But they can't locate them. And this is like... Uh, what do you call it? Foreshadowing. Hey, huh? Figured it out. <laughs> uh, this is real, huh. really foreshadowing for things that are about to come. But then, in addition to Lucius, a bunch of strange vampires start showing up all over Dark River to try and like beg Rain to help them maintain their sanity, and are like, we just like they want to use her like she's a communal water fountain, basically. Yes, and this part was, like, it bothered me. She's a, an actual person. It's not her, you know, responsibility to fix your insanity. Which is basically what, like, X, X has no problem shutting these guys down. And neither does Lucius. Lucius will behead anyone who needs some beheading. And so they keep taking care of all of the strange vampires that keep showing up on her doorstep, especially the ones who will not take no for an answer. Uh, then Lucius tries a different courting gift in the form of wolf shifter puffs. <laughs> and there's this wonderful scene where he's dropping them off. And she's like, um, are these human being wolf shifters? <laughs> Like, they're in the form of puppies when he drops them off. But he's just like, here, I brought these for you. I know I learned in movies that humans uh, love receiving puppies as gifts. And since you used to be human, I know that you'll love this. 
<laughs> he sees nothing problematic about it at all. Like, it's just... It's just totally fine for Lucius and his mixed-up head. She's like, you can't give people as presents, Lucius. Uh, and he's like, no, people have been doing that for years. That's what humans do. They just give people <laughs> to other people. Uh, so at first he only brought one. And she's like, well, were there others? Like at this auction where you picked up uh, these shifters. And he's like, yes, uh, there were two others. So she has him go back and get them and murder the people who bought these uh, shifter puffs. And so Lucius brings them all and they end up being like these three adorable children who are like so obviously come from an abusive household and they decide to adopt them and they decide that they are going to be responsible for raising these three children and they bring them into the diner and Beatrice is just the Scottish grandmother that everyone needs in their lives. She's so adorable with them. It is so cute just the entire interaction with Beatrice and the fact that you know the wolf pups are pretty damaged you know from everything that's gone on with them um and these wolf pups are gonna play an important role in the future because Grace has a spin-off series um which we'll talk about in a little bit um but you know, it's more than just the harem getting to have, you know, children, if you will. Yeah. So um, there is a conversation where uh, Rain is talking to both X and Judge and is like, okay, so you both are bi. And they're both basically like, yes. And she's like, well, have you ever hooked up? And they said, no, like that would have been awkward since we were working together. And she's like, well, do you want to? <laughs> And it leads to this really hot scene. And then they just like continue to hook up for the rest of book three. And I am on board. The male on male in this series. Like, thank you, Grace, for gifting us with this. Because I am just here for it. Her walking into and the doctor's office and finding them hooking up was so yes. hot. Uh, and... I had no idea that this was a thing for me until I started reading reverse harems. Like, I would have never read a male-male romance, like, before. And not because I have a problem with that. I just didn't think that that was something that I was attracted to. Um, but, yeah. Whew. So, they have to go back to Packlands because some people from what we learn is the Eden Academy want to meet with Nico and Brody about creating an academy in the land that's between Dark River and Niso. So they go back to Packlands and they bring the kids along with them because they want the kids to meet the pack. And they talk with the people from Eden Academy and then they wake up to Nico playing pirates with the kids and it is the most adorable shit I've ever seen in my life. Yes, and this is, you know, their... A group of adults that have a loving relationship with each other and then the kids just kind of complete that so I love it and the fact that they go back to Packlands and meet with the people from Eden Academy 
comes into play because Grace has a spinoff series about the pups and going to Eden Academy. So it does happen. There is a spinoff series that we have yet to read, but I think that I'm going to start that next. Yeah, I'm excited to read that. It's on my list, and I know the second book in that series is coming out soon. Yeah, so we should probably try to get on that this week so we can also mention that in our interview with Grace. So if you've read the first Eden Academy book and you have any questions about it, please let us know. Rain discovers that she has very strong compulsion powers that she really shouldn't have at this point in her age as a vampire. Uh, She discovers this because Nico and Lucius are like having it out in a field because they like finally snapped and need to have an argument over the years of like bullshit that Lucius has done to Nico and like the tears that have happened in their relationships as siblings and she like gets upset about them fighting and she yells at Nico to stop and he ends up all of his body stops and then his heart also <laughs> stops beating and Lucius realizes that like her compulsion powers are much stronger than they should be and that they believe that it has to do with her succubus blood uh increasing her vampire powers. Ooh. Then they do the uh, ceremony to figure out... The moon is finally at the right phase. Yes, the moon is finally at the right phase, and they find out that Tex is Alexander's grandson, and that's so sweet because Alexander's been alone for so long, and it's he's so excited to have some family, and it's like such a sweet moment. And, and isn't it like he says it's like getting a part of his daughter back isn't I think that that's you know along the lines of like what he says yeah it's really it's a cute moment and then we meet Titus who is the older brother of Lucius and Nico and I like Titus as a character I think he's very amusing and they ask her to join the convocation in order to protect her from all of these crazy old vampires who are coming and they want her to join the convocation as the representative of the succubi So Titus puts that plan into motion. He thinks that that will be able to happen. But then while that is happening, uh, first we get a really hot Shabari scene with Lucius and X. Uh, That's just chef's kiss wonderful. And if you have any book recommendations that have hot Shabari scenes or, you know, maybe even potentially a book on Shabari for beginners, please, please reach out to us or more specifically me. Uh, But then the collector shows up and tries to kidnap Rain and we learn that the collector is this older vampire and uh, the shifter that was staying in Rain's old apartment who's related to, I think it's like Brody's niece, um, Mm -hmm. saves Rain's life. She like throws a knife and it stabs the vampire and the book ends with Rain being made the convocation representative as planned but it doesn't go exactly as planned because they don't just make her the convocation representative for the succubi they make her the convocation representative for all the endangered species that were just discovered in the collector's lair so like they went into where he lived and they found all of these endangered species that don't have any representation on the convocation and they're like that's fine rain is going to represent all of them and be responsible for all of them now and the book ends with all of them showing up at dark river and i think it's great that you know she kind of goes from someone who is mourning the loss of her old life to being someone that 
you know, has a sense of direction and some responsibility, um, you know, both with the kids and her role in the convocation as the representative for endangered species. I mean, it's, you know, it's nice that she has more than just the harem, because I feel like there are a lot of books where, you know, the female main character, the harem is her life. Yeah, I do like that there's a lot more to her as a character and the responsibilities that she takes on. And that is the series. So let's do some final thoughts. Ash, you want to share any of your final thoughts? Um, this series is fantastic if you're into paranormal reverse harems. Um, you know, it's not one that has a whole lot of triggers. I mean, I guess, you know, uh, murder could potentially be one, even though it ends up, you know, with her being reborn as a vampire. But um, I think it's, you know, got something for everyone. I love the kink play that happens, the male-on-male action. I pretty much love every guy in the harem. There's someone for everyone. Um, and yeah, I just, I think it's great and I can't recommend it enough. It's good if you, you know, want to ease someone into paranormal reverse harems. Yeah, I loved this series. Uh, I think Rain is such a great female main character because she's so believable. Like, she reacts exactly as how you would expect someone to react when they're just thrown into this supernatural world that they didn't know anything about. And I appreciate like the believability of that character. I also love the exploration of uh, male on male relationships. And then also the kink play that happens. It's, it's a great way to explore like how you feel about these different topics. Agreed. So I want to do our final harem rankings about how we feel about each man in the harem. So my harem rankings are X because I love him so much. I love the comic relief that he brings to the harem. And then Tex is just all the sweet energy followed by Brody. Then Nico, then Lucius, then Judge, then Walker. And I don't dislike any members of the harem. It's just I like some more than others. Lucius is my favorite character in the series, but he's not my favorite character, a favorite member of the harem. I just, I love his crazy so much, but I don't think he's the best person in the harem. Well, and that's the thing. I think that, you know, he kind of came into it so late that he didn't get as fully developed as some of the other members of the harem. Yes, agreed. And I think my ranking is fairly similar. Um, It's X, Tex, Nico, Brody, Judge, Walker, and then Lucius is in the bottom for me. I get it. I just love him so much. I know you do. He's like right up your alley. (laughs) Sam loves some psycho damaged. God, what is wrong with me? (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, it's the Virgo. All right. So books we have read this week and planning to read. Uh, I did a lot of reading this week shocking (laughs) i don't know how sam has time to function as a human being i you know what i surprised myself this week with how much i read so i read the whole emerald lake series uh so that's the magic of discovery the magic of revenge and the magic of betrayal um i enjoyed it i liked the storyline a lot i think it was a really interesting uh fantasy series then I read The Sweetest Oblivion, which is a mafia romance. It was uh, recommended to me from my friend Sarah, and I loved that book so much. 
And then I read the entire Hannaford Prep series, which I am now incredibly emotionally invested in and obsessed with. And then I also read the follow-up series of Hannaford Prep, which is the Queen Crow series, which so far there are only two books out, but the third book, I believe, comes out in July, and I'm so pumped for that. For this coming week, we all know what's coming out this week. The third book in the Blood and Ash series. That is what I'm most excited about. Um... And then I'm also, there's a new series, not a new series, a new book in, I can't remember the name of the series right now, that's going to drive me nuts, Um, but the first book was Cash, no, the first book was, oh god, Saint, the first book was Saint, the second book was Cash, the third book coming out on the same day as The Crown of Gilded Bones is called Brutal, it's another reverse harem that's mafia based and I'm very excited about that book coming out as well. And I guess we'll see what else I read. I guess I have to read Eden Academy because Ashley told me I have to. (laughs) So I am chronically busy with work and parenting. I I work some crazy hours. I'm a surgical veterinary technician, so my schedule is super unpredictable as to what time I'm going to leave. But this week I attempted to read Veiled by Ruby Smoke and... I was not a fan. I thought that the main character was super annoying. And, like, I'm someone who's a pretty vulgar person, but I just thought she was really overdone in her sex drive and her attempts at being sexy and the best at everything. Um, So it just wasn't for me. So maybe if you finish that book, if you could let me know if she tones it down at all, if it gets better. Um, But, yeah, she just wasn't for me. And I find that... Sam and I were actually discussing this. If I don't like the female main character, I'm generally not going to like the series and won't be able to really get into it. Um, so I was talking to Willow Hadley last week, and she is the writer of Cricket and um, Smile Like You Mean It and of Moons and Monsters. And she recommended a bunch of books to me. Um, Baby and the Late Night Howlers was one that stuck out, and it's an Omegaverse and Oh my gosh, I just started reading it today and I'm so invested in it. There is nodding and it's sexy and I, I'm i loving it. Um, So yeah, that's what I read and I'm super anticipating The Crown of Gilded Bones by JLA. It's coming out on 420. I know that Sam, like she said, she's super hyped too. So we talk about this series so much. If you've never read it, Please check it out. And I think that the threesome is going to happen. I mean, she's pretty much confirmed it, but she's been like releasing these little sneak peek snippets that things are really starting to get hot, you guys. So Give me if you the haven't threesome. read that series, Give yes. Me the threesome. And there is some really good fan art for this series. Please, please make sure that you check it out. <laughs> you can find it on Instagram. Maybe I'll post some of it to our page. So like Ashley said, next week we are going to be interviewing Grace and asking her all the questions that we have on our minds. So we're very excited for that. If you have questions that you would like us to ask Grace, you can send it to us on our Instagram, which is at Smut and Spice Pod. And I would love to read the questions that you guys have and see which ones we would also like to ask Grace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. We hope you'll join us next week as we sit down with the author of the Dark River Day series, Grace McGinty, and ask her all of the questions that are on our minds and yours. If you have any questions you would like to ask, feel free to send them our way on Instagram. 
Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.